Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. Night Hour 2 Heatwave Sports. Fox Sports Radio, Tim Ungles with Tom Barton. NFL season win totals for the upcoming season. We've got about we're a little over halfway through, so some interesting one come some interesting ones coming up. And again, a reminder: next Sunday night will be our Heat Wave Sports NFL mock draft. We'll do the first round. And Tom, the stipulations for this fun fun event, which we're going to dedicate the whole show to, it'll be you, myself, and Chris Wynn picking for respective teams. And I'll let you guys know the number you pick. So it'll be one, two, or three, and we'll just we'll keep going in that order at that time. So this is going to be fun. The, the only caveat here, Tom, is we won't allow the trades because it'll be too messy to try to figure out who's picking where. So it's almost like you're going to have to know who that team is going to want and hope that they don't trade out of that pick. So it, it could be a little hairy come draft night. Yeah, absolutely. I think number four is the, the pick that we're looking at. Let me ask you this. So, so we have the rules together. Okay, I love yeah. it. Okay. So tomorrow night I'll, I'll reveal who picks where, and you guys can kind of prep for a week. Of you'll be able to draft for them. So uh, all eyes in Las Vegas, Tom, will be on, on the Raiders, of course, and next year slated to re the draft will, should return and have their, their big function here in Las Vegas. Season win total sits at eight for the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders are a team that, um, again, they're a, a little, a little bit about who who's in their division more than them themselves. I think that the Raiders are are, are a fine team, like I thought they were last year. I would be calling them a five hundred team, but I'm trying to stop myself from saying five hundred, right? Because you can't have five hundred anymore. Um, I'm looking at the Raiders like this. This is what I said last year. I said I think the Raiders will have a better roster, but it might not show up in the win column. And I think that this year is the same exact thing. The Raiders might have a better roster this year. The Raiders might look pretty good on the field. But I think the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. I think the Chargers are a playoff contender. I think Denver is a playoff contender. <laughs> I think that the, the Raiders are not a playoff contender. So, you know, I think this is a fair number for the Raiders. I think this is a very solid number for them. I, I think if you really want to go over seven and a half, you can find a seven and a half over at DraftKings. Not a not a bad look. There's a seven and a half also over at uh, Sugar House and Unibet. So you can find some seven and a halves. If you want to go over and, and give me the eight, I, I'm, I'm, I'll buy it. I'll say that they can win eight games. I don't know if they could win nine, though, Tim. Chris Wynn was talking about last year's over-under, and you know, when you look at Gruden, he's on the 10-year plan, right, Tom? So he goes four wins, seven wins, eight wins. The problem was in the last two seasons, his Raider teams have just – they've given up the last six, seven games, and most of them were losses. So it's hard to bet. You, you would think that you're seeing a, an escalation, right, Tom? But the last two years, they've, they've actually had the over one. They just – they couldn't win the games to end the season. Yeah, well, look – they have, uh, I think they have a fine quarterback. Their offensive line was dominant. Now I don't know if it's as dominant anymore, right? They brought in another running back. I like the running back duo. I like Waller. It's it's a matter of when for the Raiders because the Raiders are going to pop. They're just very young uh, on offense outside of Derek Carr, of course, and they don't have that cohesiveness that we need to see. Defensive line, I'd like a little more pressure. Defensive backs, I, I, you need to do something there, especially when you're going up against Herbert and Mahomes. There are holes on this team. Next team, we'll go to the nation's capital, the Washington football team, Ron Rivera, year two. And, Tommy, I know, I know you uh, have something to say about this one, the over-under for Washington and new quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, eight. Yeah, I, this is maybe my number one over that I will have. Not only do I think that Washington is going to obliterate this number, I think Washington wins the NFC East. I think Washington has a chance to seriously push for a Super Bowl berth. Yeah, I said it. And here's why. 
let's forget about the Ryan Fitzpatrick factor for a moment. Ron Rivera is a very good coach. Ron Rivera got them to the Super Bowl, or got them to the playoffs last year, even though nobody believed that they should be there. Nobody believed they were a Super Bowl team. He got them to the playoffs last year with nobody at quarterback. Alex Smith, a nice little story, okay? But he, he's not a uh, playoff-ready quarterback. Taylor Hankey, he won, whoa, nearly won that game, right? Uh, look at what he did. Antonio Gibson is just coming into his own. Terry McLaren is in his own realm. I mean, this guy's great. Logan Thomas, he's coming into his own. Their offense is, is getting geared up to make big moves. And then you look at the defense. I think they have potentially the best defense in the NFL. Remember last year how dominant they were, how ridiculously dominant they were late in the year. And then remember that they lost Landon Collins, perhaps the best safety in the league. He's coming back. So on a defense that looked that that defensively stout, they're also getting the best, potentially, the best safety back in the league. They're adding to that defense without doing anything. I, I can't imagine that they will lose, uh, you know, 10 games here, Tim, and that's what it would take for you to lose. This is my number one play so far. Seven and a half, the next number, Carolina. Seven and a half, Tom. They won five last year, and that's with McCaffrey missing 13 games. Teddy Bridgewater was a quarterback. We just saw the trade go down a couple weeks ago. Sam Darnold comes in. Healthy McCaffrey, can they get two? Well, you need three wins. So can they get to eight to get you over? Ah, You know, it's funny. If if we were having this conversation during a 16-game season, I would tell you, you know what, Tim? I got Carolina about eight and eight. And I always usually uh, give you one game one way or the other, right? I say, I, I, I got Carolina 8-8. Eight eight. So they have a real good year. It's 9-7. If they, they, you know, things fall apart, they could go 7-9. I mean, that's kind of how I'm looking at this team. Now with the extra game, I think they're priced exactly right. I'm not sure I buy fully into Sam Donald. I, I like his weapons. I'm not sure I buy fully into the defense, although I do, do like what they've done. I'm not sure I buy fully into this coach, although I'm pretty, pretty bullish on this coach. I, I, I kind of like him, right? So... I like Carolina. I just don't know if I can think that, eh, you know what, they're going to push for a playoff spot quite yet. Denver, over under 7.5, Drew Locke. Technically, right now, Tom would be the quarterback, so interested to see what Denver does here in the draft coming up. You need eight wins. So you can finish under 500 here to get the over. What about Denver? They had problems scoring last year. Anybody see what they've done in the offseason? Quietly, what they've done in the offseason? Oh, they've added, they've added some pieces, Tim. They've added some nice, big, good defensive pieces. This defense is for real next year. And they have a head coach that will help that defense. They have running backs. And remember, with all the Jerry Judy talk that went on last year, right, and Noah Fant started coming into his own, Cortland Sutton was out for the year, and he's their best wide receiver. They have weapons. It all comes down to the quarterback. And for me, Drew Locke with this cast of characters because he's surrounded by weapons. I think he could get it. I'm going to take the over here as well. I know you have something to say about this one. Chicago, seven and a half, Tom. Andy Dalton in. Kyle Fuller out. Under for the Bears. Yeah, this might be one of the best bets that you could see. Um, Bears aren't winning eight games next year. It's just not happening. The Chicago Bears are being led by a quarterback that people don't want. The fans don't want. We didn't want this, and I'm a fan, okay? So no matter how good Andy Dalton does, and I like Andy Dalton, no matter how good he does, you feel that. The offense is now shifting over. Remember how good Montgomery looked? Well, Montgomery's numbers when uh, Nagy calls plays as opposed to when the offensive coordinator calls plays is completely shifted. It's unbelievable the difference there. The offensive line got weaker in the offseason. The defense got weaker in the offseason. Losing Kyle Fuller is going to hurt. The Bears are in a bad way here, Tim. And you know what? In a way, there's a piece of me. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. There's a piece of me that hopes that they go out and just completely and utterly tank. Because that's the only way you're going to rejuvenate this franchise. Right now, the Chicago Bears, under, is one of the better bets, it looks like. As a fan, like you said, it's hard to root against your team, but... You know a losing season produces a new head coach, probably a new GM, and a new quarterback absolutely off the bat. So 
that might be the the window that you're looking at the silver lining so to speak yeah you know what uh, they had it and uh trubinsky <laughs> yeah no he's that's buffalo's savior now in case allen goes down right uh, listen I, and i think he would have been fine you know and that's the thing if you brought trubinsky back in this spot I, i'd be saying that the bears are probably going to win six or seven games andy dalton might win you know seven eight games he might he might be okay out there but there's just a lot of you hear the rumblings and the turmoil. You you start to hear it. You start to get that in your head, and you know that's seeping into the locker room. You've hinted at the the number four pick in the draft here for a while with the Atlanta Falcons scheduled in that slot. Their uh, season win total is seven, Tom. So uh, this is interesting because the, the Falcons I think are sitting on or sitting in a situation where they're kind of stuck, right, Tommy? They have an older team in the skill positions and maybe they think they can make the playoffs but maybe a, a, a situation be to just go ahead and get younger now they have no running back their offensive line is weak and they have one of the worst defenses in the nfl and they're they're going up there and they're talking about maybe going to get a quarterback they're talking about maybe go get a tight end uh, are, are we kidding right atlanta has to trade out of that spot but even if they do I kind of like this under also. Anytime you have Ryan and Julio Jones and, and the offensive weapons that they have, I get it. But, man, that defense is bad. They, their best player was Keanu Neal for a little while. He's not even on the team anymore on defense. I mean, name a defense. Name three defensive players on this team. It's a bad defense, man. Bad offensive line, with, which that used to be a strength. No running back. I'm not a fan of Atlanta at all this year. This next one is one of my favorite ones, Tom. Uh, you know, the Giants won six games last year, and they averaged right around 17 points a game in doing it. So this year coming in, you have to hope that Barkley stays healthy, right? They pick up Galladay in the offseason to get that number one receiver. Daniel Jones, at times he looked, he looked like a very good quarterback. At other times, you know, it is what it is. But I look at it more so that they can still have a losing record, and if I can get to eight, I can win the bet. Yeah, I mean, you that's you got to start thinking about that, right? You know, can you get to eight? Tim, look at their division, right? Who's in their division that scares you? I mean, Washington would be the strongest team, in my opinion, right now. So. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so the, But there, there's nobody that scares most people out there. No one that's scary right. in that division, which makes it a tough division to kind of bet the over or the under on because, you know, one of these teams is going to step up. I, look, I, I, I think Washington's the team that's going to step up. But, you know, it's a tough the, – the, both – all of these teams are tough because you know that it's a division that is just garbage, okay? Um, look at the quarterbacks in this division right now. It, it, most of them are, are garbage, you know? Look at the skill position players, the defenses. If they were not in one division together, I don't think we'd be discussing any of them going over. Uh, might as well talk about the Eagles because they're at seven as well, Tom, with – Jalen Hurts, you said it's garbage, right? Jalen Hurts is the guy. They play one of the weakest schedules, though, in in the NFL. Can they get to eight wins and cash a ticket? Maybe. They have to stay healthy, and that's the thing. Look, Dallas Goddard, Zach Hurts were both hurt last year, and they're a tight end concentric team, right? Miles Sanders was hurt last year. He seems to be hurt every year. Uh, They have no wide receivers to speak of. They were all hurt. Alshon Jeffrey was hurt. Two years in a row now, you're talking about the Eagles roster just completely beaten up and injured. You start to have that happening, Tim. Now you're going to go out there and bank on a team not being injured? I, I, I cannot do that. I think that just like the Chargers, when you have an injury bug and it starts to kind of creep up on the team, I think that gets into people's psyche. And I think you see it happen more often than not where they continue to get injured. It's not going to just all of a sudden fix itself. Only one team at the six-and-a-half number. That's the Cincinnati Bengals, Tommy. You're three for Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, if he's healthy, right? Here's the thing in this, the way I look at it. They went out and spent a ton of money in free agency to, to shore up the defense. I'm hoping in the draft that means they're going to shore up the offensive line because the reason why Joe Burrow got hurt was he got hit. He got hit too much. So I'm hoping that that's, that's an upgrade here. Still, that being said, you only need seven to win this one. You do only need seven, but how long is Burrow going to be in there? I mean, I think that that's a, a large component. I also have this for you, and I was going to save this um, for uh, my show before the draft, and it'll be on my draft day special show at Sports Garden Network. 
Joe Burrow faced 32.3% of his dropbacks in 2020. That's the 15th highest rate in the NFL. Tim, he was middle of the road. He didn't get hurt because he was getting hit a lot. He got hurt because, you know, when he got hit was a problem. Tim, he's middle of the road, number 15 in pressures. So the offensive line is not nearly as bad as people made it out to seem. The offensive line is not garbage there. Um, maybe Joe Burrow was holding the ball a little bit longer. Maybe it was just the type of blitz packages that he wasn't able to adopt to. But I know that's a popular misconception. And that's why I did all that research is because Joe Burrow really wasn't hit more than, than the average guy. I think a lot of this comes down to defense, though. I think we know. Boyd and Higgins and, and and maybe if they go get Jamar Chase, we know the offense looks good. If Mixon can stay healthy, that'll be a big boost. We know Joe Burr, but a lot of that's injuries and a lot of that's question marks and a lot of that's what ifs. The number six start with the New York Jets. It appears, Tom, that Zach Wilson will be the quarterback in New York. We'll see come draft night. Two and 14 last year. Robert Sala, the new head coach for the Jets, over under six. Uh, we're getting to the low numbers, but I, I almost have to take the under on the Jets here. I, look, they're in transition. The nicest thing I could say about them, because I don't see much on defense. Their offensive line is terrible. When, when they traded away Sam Donald, every one of my Jet fans said, yeah, great, well, we still need an offensive line. Like that, that Nobody was even overly happy about going out and getting Wilson because – they know he's not going to have time. He doesn't have weapons to throw to. This is a team that is is pretty bad. It's a division that's actually pretty good and getting pretty good. And now all of a sudden you're giving me a six number. Can they win seven games? Maybe. Uh, I, I have them at four or five wins, man. I, I got to take the under here for the Jets. The Urban Meyer experiment begins in Jacksonville. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence will be the face of the franchise come draft night. In a team that, look, the Jaguars, really, Tom, we can count on, on almost one hand where, where they were in the playoffs and, and almost a shot at the AFC title game just a few years ago and just went completely to the bottom of the National Football League. Six wins. Is it, is it too much to expect in year one? Uh, I am very high on Jacksonville this year. Very high. I think that Trevor Lawrence could come into the league and win the MVP and put Jacksonville in the playoffs. That's how high I am on Jacksonville. I really, truly am. But every time I start to look like that, Tim, I start to look at that defense and I just cringe. <laughs> right? I mean, they got receivers. They got a running back. They're going to have Trevor Lawrence. I'm pumped up. And I look across the field and I see a really, really poor defense, which is not no talent on it either. It's not even like a defense that has some talent. Um I, I think that six is a fair number. I feel like Jacksonville can take the world by surprise and be that good. But that defense is a major concern. First glance, I want to take the over, but I may pull off. And we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now, Tom, as we get to the last two teams. We'll start in Houston, where the number is five. And that's probably with Tyrod Taylor starting at quarterback. At least it looks like he's going to be the opening day starter. Yeah, look, I, I, I got Texans under. I can't imagine them winning a game. Okay, I, I mean, really, my whole point of, you know, the Texans maybe winning a game is if Deshaun Watson stands on his head. I don't like their running back. He's old and hasn't been successful for a while. They got rid of J.J. Watt. There's no heart in that team. There's a disconnect between the management. There's a disconnect between the coaches. They're untalented. They lost Will Fuller. They lost. Uh, there's just so much going on. This team should be picking number one in the NFL draft next year. And I saved the Detroit Lions, Chris Wynn's team. So so far tonight, Tom, the, the Ravens, my team, I have under. The Bears, your team, you have under. Chris Wynn, where are you at on this one? The Lions, Tommy, at five. And the new era, Dan Campbell will be the head coach. Jared Goff, your starting quarterback in the Motown City. You know, look, I got to go under here. And I look at this Lions offense, and I go, look at what they were last year with Matthew Stafford. Look at what they were with Galladay. Look at what they were with the pieces that they did have. I think they have a bad coach. I think that they have a bad quarterback. I've never believed in Goff. I think that they have bad receivers. 
and the defense is nothing to write home about. I know it's a weak division. I'm giving you that. I'm granting you that. I think that the Lions and Texans are 1-2 in the NFL draft next year. Well, that's fun, Tom. So give us uh, your, your, I'd say, your top two or three ones you like the best. I know Washington has to be one of those. Yeah, Washington's definitely one. I like the Lions and Texans. I'm going to take both of those unders. Um, the, 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 yeah, we have to go Washington. I, I'm just super high on Washington. I think I like the Broncos over the eight, but I'm going to wait on that one uh, to see who they who they select at quarterback. I definitely like the Patriots over the nine. I think that the Patriots are coming back this year, guys. I really do. Uh, the Browns over ten is probably my number one pick. Browns, Bills, Washington are my three best overs, though. Yeah, I like the Bills as well. That's probably my favorite one. And it, I'm looking at a, a 130 on the over there, Tom. It, probably a better line elsewhere if you're looking at the Bills. Yeah, Bills, I'll tell you right now. I'll shop around for you. Over 10.5, minus 118 uh, you can get at DraftKings. Minus 115 at BetMGM. Um, and I'm searching all the sites here. Yeah, minus 115, BetMGM is the number one uh, site right now, the lowest odds for the over for the Bills. I also like the Colts under the 10. I, I know I agree with a lot of what you said in, in the analysis when we went with the Colts. It's just for me, it's like I think the Titans are, are the better team in that division and that I'm just not necessarily sold on the quarterback change. I have to see what Carson can do. So I, I would lean under with the Colts. Tim, we're talking like this. People think I got uh, Jacksonville against Washington for a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> but we have what to. What's the odds on that one, huh? Yeah, right. But you have to you have to understand that taking team totals is very, very different. You have to have a different mindset because you, you don't care about the playoffs. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. The playoffs don't matter. It doesn't matter at all. So you have to have a different mindset. Well, that, that was our run through the season win totals for the NFL. Like I said, if you want to, if you missed any of it, you can go back and check it out over at LV Sports Network or Heatwave Sports, the feed over on iTunes, Spotify. We're on all the Podbean. We're on all of them. So you can find us there and listen to our analysis there. We're going to take a timeout. We come back. We'll stay with the NFL and we're going to look at the NFL draft prospects at the running back position. We'll see who Tom likes to be drafted in two weeks' time at the NFL Draft. Heatweb Sports, Saturday night, Fox Sports Radio. That right now, that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win. This is Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Having fun tonight on Saturday night talking NFL football. We're going to move over to NFL draft prospects as we get you ready for the draft in two weeks' time. And, of course, our mock draft next Sunday night. Tom, I know we'll talk a little more baseball tomorrow night, but I wanted to touch on this real quickly. And let me just say over the last, well, it's over a decade now, Tommy, almost going into 12 years that we've been doing this. And we have wonderful, wonderful listeners that don't necessarily interact with us. They enjoy the show. I, I get random emails and, and tweets that are direct messages. They, they enjoy the content we bring them. And then we have the ones that do. They do like to mix it up and get, get it, you know, talk to us on the social media including our good friend Fernando, who I know, Tommy, is the biggest Clayton Kershaw hater on the face of the earth. And again tonight, and whether you're a Padre fan or a Dodger fan, this was great baseball tonight with the game tonight with Kershaw in a 2-0 shutout win for the Dodgers. So in just his last three starts, Tommy, he's given up one run in his last three starts, Clayton Kershaw. He's down to 2-1-9 ERA. And I know you. You like futures yourself. And, and look, Clayton's off to a hell of a start. You can get him at 30-1 to 1 right now to win the Cy Young. I can't take it, Tim. You know why? The Dodgers are too good. It's going to hurt them. That, that's the problem. They're too good. They know, well, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to crush this division. We're going to have no problem with it. And then all of a sudden, what are they going to do? 
they're going to turn around and they're going to go, yeah, um, uh, just sit down for a little while. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just, just we're going to start pitching you every sixth day. We're going to start giving you some time off. Uh, I mean, you're more important to us when we need you. And when we need you is the postseason. Yeah. The depth on that team, we, we talked about it at the end of last year after they won. We had talked about the depth and what they would do in the offseason. They just added to the depth. So when you could bring David Price in to close games for you, you know, you're, you're looking at something where they have a, a lot of different ways that they can look at this season, especially if they start to separate themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think they will. I mean, right now, they're doing all of this with with Mookie Betts playing half the time. And, oh, by the way, uh, Cody Bellinger still hasn't taken that bat, right? Now, they just found out he had a hairline fracture in his leg. Uh, hairline fracture, yeah, don't worry about it. Sit down, take a couple of months off. We'll still be in first place. And the COVID bug strikes. Tommy, we're getting a, a canceled series here. Twins Angels is off. There's the COVID bug running around the Minnesota Twins locker room. Uh, here we go, right? Uh, you know, and you say you say it very nicely. Running around the, the, the locker room. It, it Somebody might have known somebody that saw somebody pass in a car that might have had COVID. And <laughs> contact tracing is getting it. I, I mean, right. yeah. The, the COVID idiots, which is uh, what I call them all. Just the, the complete ridiculous overreaction to this is, is it's mind-boggling that we're still in this. We saw let, the let's, national... let, let, let's run Fauci out there again to, to tell us something that he told us last week was something else and make something else up. <laughs> Remember, Tim, if everything goes right and if everybody does their part, we might, might be able to actually see our parents and have barbecue on 4th of July. Yeah. We saw the Nationals beginning of the year delayed because of I think it was two test positives and now the Astros and I know Tommy you know whatever with the Astros and what they did but still even that they have guys in contract chasing uh, Altuve and Alvarez who are not positive yeah uh, that that's this is the problem um, you know even with the with the Astros and look I'm never somebody to stick up for the Astros but they're going why are we even playing this game you know what I mean? Like guys are sitting down. You they have a half a squad. I, I I just have to to believe that we're in a position where people are smarter than this. People are smarter than contact tracing is the problem. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that this is what we're doing. And look, be safe, be cautious. Right? I've said it all the time. What we know now, though, Tim, is the data doesn't lie. Right? Um, there's a thing to be safe and cautious. There's the idea to be safe and cautious. Uh, and then there is the overkill. And we see wonderful, absolutely fantastic governors like in Florida and Texas proving uh, you know, that lockdowns don't work, proving that mask mandates don't work. People are going to be smart. People are going to be safe. Uh, Texas was called Neanderthal thinking. Remember that? And what mm -hmm. happened? Well, Neanderthal thinking came out to be lowest rate now in texas everything dropped they asked dr fauci about it he said oh, i don't know you can't explain it yes you can people are going to be smart people are going to do the right thing and if they're not doing the right thing and not being smart probably not in much danger after that anyway this is a uh the contact tracing thing drives me crazy if people are actually sick quarantine the whole team i get it but if people are contact tracing come on ridiculous and you've seen, you've seen the crowds in Texas for the Ranger games. Nobody on Texas Rangers. I haven't heard of one one issue there since the season's going back into spring training. Actually, so yeah, they're well, playing in stadium full of people, Tom. Well, of course, but but Tim, that's that's the thing. These uh, the side of of people, and I'm not saying it's a political thing, left or right, but but the side of people that are still believing in lockdowns and things like that, they just hate science. They hate facts. They hate reality. They want to live in their bubble and be scared and live in fear. And when the stats and the facts and the reality and the numbers are there for, for you to see. Uh, you know, I mean, they are there. Texas opened up. Texas has full stadiums. There was no spike. As a matter of fact, things went down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and I'm not telling you that, that, look, it can't happen. Of course it can. But you, you're going to get it one way or the other or you're not going to get it one way or the other. Um, if you decide you want the vaccine, I mean, we talked about Josh Allen. Josh Allen got ripped apart because he said, I don't know if I want the vaccine. It's 
hate shaming people for life choices, right? Uh, what happened to uh, my body by choice here, Tim, right? Uh, you know, it's hate shaming people and it's fear. If you want to live in fear and you want to do that, then don't go to, don't go to the stadium. Right. And if you're a baseball player, I know I saw Lorenzo Kane. He wears his mask out into the field. There's a couple of guys. I'm not shaming you for wearing your mask out in the field. Go ahead. Do it. You have to do what will protect you. But what we've seen is that the contact tracing, and this is what it all goes back to, is just blown out of proportion. How many times have we seen guys go, I didn't even know I was in contact with this guy that did this or this guy that did that. I had no idea. They're not sick. They miss games and they miss games. Why? Because of an overblown uh-oh moment. Well, we got the draft coming up and tomorrow night we'll talk about a very deep wide receiver group that these teams will be adding talent to. I want to talk about the tonight the running back position, Tom, because we've seen as years have gone by, the the lack of a running back necessarily being drafted in the top of the top of the NFL draft. We've seen some sneak in at the end, and, and this year seems to be kind of the same same recipe. I'll go through some of the top prospects in the NFL draft at the running back position. You kind of tell me where you think they're slotted, or, or maybe what you've heard. I guess the first question would be: Do we get a, a running back drafted in the first round this year? Did we lose you, Tom? Might have lost Tommy there. I, I don't hear him on my end, so uh, I'll continue on. You know, when you when you look at <clears throat> the position, and for for a league that's shifted really to a pass-oriented league, the running back position is it's a it's a multi-purpose backs is what you're looking at, Kamara's. Those guys that they go out and they can catch out the backfield. McCaffrey, another another example. So McCaffrey obviously went top in his draft. Kamar, same situation. But when I look at this year's talented group, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the the case here. And you know, all draft mock drafts and draft ranking boards I've seen, it's two guys that that kind of top that list. You're looking at it, a Najee Harris out of Alabama, the senior. And he's built, obviously, like a running back, right? 6'2", 230. The other Tom, well, we'll start with Najee Harris. He, he seems to be the, the number one ranked running back in this, in this draft. I, the first question was, do we get a running back drafted in the first round? Yeah, the over-under is uh, a half, Tim, and I think we get one. I do. I think we get one, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to take a little stab. At the over one, because I think we could get two here and you're going to get some nice plus money back. Um, I already took a stab on it because I I think that there's a shot that two guys go because the end of the draft, start looking at the teams that are at the end of the draft. You know what they need? They need running backs, Tim. Right. And now if Pittsburgh takes Najee Harris and then all of a sudden you get to the end of the draft. You have a chance to be able to get two with a Travis Etienne back there, and you're going to be getting some nice plus money back. At least I, I certainly did. I think that we get one, and I think that there's a chance at two running backs in this draft. And I'll tell you what, I'd be very surprised if Pittsburgh doesn't seriously consider taking a shot. Then I'd be very surprised if the Jets don't don't kind of try to make a move here to try to get a running back as well. You know the old the old adage about Alabama running backs recently in the NFL and their life expectancy, I guess, would be a perfect example. Sean Alexander, right, when you think of just off the top of my head. Uh, Najee Harris seems to be the, the number one consensus guy, 6'2", 230. And, yeah, I agree. I think he's a guy that, that sneaks in the first round here. So maybe your one over is, is a solid pick. What do you think of Harris? Yeah, look, I like Harris. I, I think he is a, a – smaller version of Derrick Henry, a bigger version of, uh, of of a Mark Ingram, and I'm using Alabama running backs for a reason. I think he's a solid workhorse. I don't think that Harris is going to walk into the league and take it over like we've seen Jonathan Taylor do last year, late in the year, Cam Akers do last year. I think that they were kind of perfect timing, perfect team. But I look at some of the spots where they might land, 
Okay. And you start to look at it. And like I said, Pittsburgh at 24, Jets at 23 make a lot of sense uh, at 23-24. Then you go down the list and you go, how can they possibly get past the Bills at 30? Okay. So there's three opportunities. If they go to the Jets, if oh, let's say Harris goes to the Jets, I think a lot of it's about landing spot. Harris goes to the Jets. I don't like him. I think he's going to take too much of a beating behind that offensive line. He goes to Pittsburgh. I think he's he's due for stardom. And if you go to Buffalo, when I don't know if Buffalo takes another shot here because they have a couple guys on their roster. But if he goes to Buffalo, uh, you know you got to like the shot there. But he's going to really be a split carry back. So it depends on where Harris lands. He's not a guy that I think that can that can take a beating being behind like a New York Jets offensive line. By chance, right, Tom, by chance he slides around too. You think Jacksonville sits, sits with the situation there as well? I don't. I think Robinson's their guy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that they've seen what they what they like in Robinson. Robinson has looked absolutely fantastic. I can't imagine that they would do it, Tim. Um just because it's not a need position. Could they, you know, say, you know what, they fall in love with somebody and, and you go there. Could Trevor Lawrence be a guy that goes, you know what, listen, I don't care what you guys do. You got to go get me Travis Sentien, right? Can he do that? Sure. Um, maybe push it. Maybe that's something that happens. I'd be very shocked, though, because they don't need the position and they need other positions pretty desperately. Actually, I think I found a better landing spot. If he slips to round two, Maybe Atlanta with a third pick in the second round. Uh, Atlanta Atlanta makes a lot of sense. Atlanta has nobody uh, right now. I mean, Atlanta makes a ton of sense. But you have to think about it, Tim. The Jets are going to pick twice before Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets have to walk away with the running back here. And, and you know, you have to, to, to look at Pittsburgh. And seriously, how does Pittsburgh watch you know, James Conner walk out the door? They've tried to put Benny Snell in there. They've tried to do some things. I can't imagine that Pittsburgh lets one of these really, really, really dynamic players go that fits their system so well. I mean, it fits a running back fits their system phenomenally. I'll tell you what, though. I'll go on record right now since we are talking about running backs. I think Travis Etienne is the better running back. Yeah, I, I think he's the better running back as well. I think Najee Harris seems more like a stealer, though. Right when you think you just talked about the system and, and the look, six two two thirty, doesn't he seem more like a Pittsburgh Steeler? Yes, very much so. So, so Travis Etienne would be the, the second top running back prospect out of Clemson, nine hundred yards last year, fourteen touchdowns. Um, different running back though, right, Tom? Five ten two oh five. I think out of the backfield weapon weaponry there. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the Trevor Lawrence situation in Jacksonville. Travis Etienne to me. Is the guy that uh, that that Austin Eckler could kind of you know has become? I think Travis Etienne is, is going to be that game breaker, that big play guy. You can turn around and go, "Whoa, he just broke one for 60, 70 yards." He's got a little bit of Nick Chubb in him, uh, and I was asked for comps. I don't love comps uh, to give him out, but I like to think about the comps, and, and I see a little Nick Chubb in him where you know he can do kind of a little bit of all things. I don't want to call Najee Harris a plotter because he's certainly not, uh, but he almost reminds me a little bit more uh, like a Zach Moss than a superstar. He reminds me of a guy you could plug in and go, okay, feel comfortable with him, where I think Travis Etienne has the upside to be an absolute stud. The next two guys, actually, Tommy shared a backfield, and, and again, we're, we're looking at the ACC as we talked about Etienne. Next up, Javante Williams in North Carolina, 1,100 yards last year, 19 touchdowns. He ran. He put 236 up and three TDs against Miami in his last regular season game. Your thoughts on, on the duo from North Carolina in, in Williams and, and then Michael Carter, the uh, backup? Well, my problem with this is that, again, how much of a beating can these guys take? You can look at it two ways. Well, they don't have a lot of tread on this. You know, they don't have a lot of, uh, uh, of hits in their pocket. They don't have a lot of problems there, right? They didn't get a lot of carries. I look at it like, yeah, they didn't get a lot of carries. I don't know if they could maintain. I don't know if they're going to be able to withhold here. If I don't get Harris or Etienne, Tim, I'm waiting until the fourth round or further because I think that we have a, a grouping here of a lot of question marks. There's not that guy in this draft that I look at at the running back position and I go, I know he could take a beating. I know he could be a lead back. 
And I know lead backs are kind of the thing of the past, but they, they, there's just nobody here that I see that can do that. And these two are the just the exemplary, uh, just highlight everything that we're talking about here because you don't know if they can handle it. You don't know if they're going to be able to, to be a 20 touchback. But in today's NFL, Tim, do you need them to be? No, you don't. And, you know, I mentioned that <clears throat> Michael Carter, the, the backup, even though he had more yardage than Williams, the thing was that, you know, in the last game of the season against Miami, they ran for 600 yards on the Hurricanes. And one had 300, the other had two plus. You know, and they took advantage of, of schools. I think, Tom, you know, the stats are inflated a bit. They took advantage of schools like a VTech, like a Cuse, like a Miami that had just terrible, terrible defenses. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's more of a product of bad defense than a good, good offense. And you have to remember, the quarterback for North Carolina is, uh, was he have the fourth of the fifth best options to win the Heisman this year? Yeah. They were, they were, they were not exactly loading the box either. Uh, and now we're going to get obviously into situation where you're getting these guys drafted later on in the draft, Tom, or they're going to sign a free agent deal after the draft. Kenneth Gainwell, Memphis, the, the sophomore running back, he put up almost 1,500 yards last year, and Ramonde Stevenson, Oklahoma, senior running back there. That you know, and th- these are guys that are, are ranking out towards the the bottom of the top hundred athletes. It would be if you're if you're scaling them. For instance, Ramonde Stevens would be the hundredth best ranked player, and he, by the way, he has Las Vegas ties for all you folks out here. Yeah, they don't need a running back though, but <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not coming home. You know, again, this is something where I'm looking at it, Tim, and I'm saying, all right, these guys are flyers in the fourth round. How, how does Houston not try to address their running back problem? Right? Yeah. I mean, Houston is a team that you're looking at. You just mentioned. How about your Atlanta Falcons, right? How about that to address some sort of problem that may be there? How about uh, you know a team like the New England Patriots that have gone out there, tried to get kind of that guy, but they're not going to have James White forever, right? Oh, I think we know that, James White. What about trying to get a pass catcher back there? So there are certain positions here. And then we go back to what you originally said. Derrick Henry goes down, Tennessee's team goes down and the year goes down the drain how about Tennessee trying to get it back up late I think when you look at what's available and and really there's not that superstar prospect at the position so you're looking at death situations right and yeah maybe maybe Najee Harris could go to the Steelers Tommy at the end of the round of round one and fits in perfectly there and he becomes that that guy there it's it's really a crapshoot and that's that's the thing with they're so grouped together. So you have Harris and Etienne, we both think are possible first, definitely seconds if they last that long. And then it drops off dramatically. So really it's it's those two guys. And then maybe the two guys out of Carolina in the mid-rounds. And after that, right, it's, uh, it's a free agent situation then. It, it is. This is not a good running back draft. I like Travis Etienne. I like Harris. I don't like anybody after that. I think this is a, a weak running back draft. So I think everybody kind of knew that this was going to be a weak running back draft. Right. The strength obviously lies in what we'll go through tomorrow night in the receivers, the offensive line, depth there. And, and of course, right, Tom, the quarterbacks. And, you know, just to end on, on this note, because we, we can change who the quarterback's going to be with all these mock drafts. The problem is uh, we have to, we can't account for the traits. And we can't count on one who's still sending out maybe false information, right, Tom? Yeah, the false information thing gets a little overblown, but it has to be uh, aware. Look, I'll give you this from a betting angle. Mac Jones was the prohibitive favorite yesterday or two days ago. Now, all of a sudden, Justin Fields is the prohibitive favorite today. Um, so what do you believe? I never believed that they would move up to get Mac Jones. I never believed it. Were they spreading that false information? I'm not sure. I don't think they they were spreading that false information. I do believe that it was a situation where somebody was was trying to throw people off their trail. But you have the number three pick. You know who's going one and two. Who are you trying to throw off, right? Who are you trying to throw off there? What if, what if, what if it's the Patriots that move up for that, that pick, though? 
Yeah, I mean, look, here's what I, I I'm not going to go crazy here, uh, and kind of tell you the whole draft. I think that Atlanta Falcons trade out of four. Mm-hmm. Who get goes in there and jumps in at number four? I'm not sure, but I will tell you this. Either Fields or Lance will be available. I don't think anyone's trading into the four pick to go get Mac Jones. So if San Francisco takes Mac Jones at three, watch the free-for-all, everybody tripping over themselves to go get either Fields or Trey Lance. If they uh, if they take Fields or Trey Lance, there's still one guy available. No one's trading up to get Mac Jones. It's going to be a situation. Do you trade up and take the, st- the shot? at the complete project or the guy that's falling for no apparent reason whatsoever. I think when you look at, because Fields would be the perfect, perfect example of somebody's draft stock who was high, then all of a sudden drops down, right, Tommy? I saw one mock draft. I I don't know if I put any any relevance relevance into it. It dropped into the midsection, but now he's back up to probably in the top four. It's crazy really to see, the, the jostling of where these guys could go. Justin Fields is an interesting guy with the idea that he's falling because there's a lot of conversation about why he's falling, you know, and a lot of negative conversation about why he's falling. A lot of people making it a, a racial situation. It's not. I think that Justin Fields is falling because we've seen this play out before. We have watched Ohio State quarterbacks come to the NFL and fail time after time after time. It's a good system. They play with superior athletes. Guess what it's like? It's like Alabama quarterbacks, right? That just mm-hmm. fail. It, this has nothing to do with black and white. This has nothing to do with, with, with things going on off the field in Mac Jones's world or Justin Fields' world. This is what happens every draft. You hear guys are falling. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Wilson, Lawrence, and Mac Jones, those five quarterbacks, Tim, are going in the first nine picks. And what about from from a betting perspective, Tom? Is there is there value in, in a lot of these prop plays? Are you looking at some for the NFL draft? I have a, a, the over, the half for running backs. I jumped on that pretty big. And I have uh, the over five. I got a tremendous number. I know it's up to five and a half in some spots now. I have over five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I know for a fact five are being drafted, Tim. I know there's no there, five are being drafted in the first nine picks, so I'm not going to lose. Worst I can do is push, and I think that come the end, you mentioned the Patriots. I think come pick 27, 28, 29, 30, those three, four picks. If a team like the Bears has a chance to move back up and grab, you know, maybe this kid from Stanford Mills, uh, maybe if the Patriots have a shot to, to move up and grab a Kyle Trask, I think I got a shot with that sixth quarterback being taken in the first round so i love over five because there's no chance of losing there's no chance five quarterbacks are not being taken in the first round okay so you give me the push i love it now i know a lot of sports books moved it back up to five and a half for this reason uh so you know i'm gambling a little bit if you want to go take a six at five and a half but at five i got it at five and i'm doing the happy dance here tim because there's no chance i'm losing this bet We'll uh, definitely touch base with you next Sunday night for the last. Maybe there's some some great value and some prop plays. We'll, we'll get some more of your thoughts next Sunday night. And one last thing before we head out of here, Tom, this is a story out of Boston that, and we don't talk a lot of NBA on this show until playoff time for obvious reasons, but, you know, the the boobers were, were hot on Brad Stevens' case this year with the Celtics, Tommy. He's figured out a way to put it together. They've won six in a row, eight of their last ten, and now they are the four seed right now in the Eastern Conference. But apparently, Brad Stevens turned down a seven-year, $70 million deal to head back to the state of Indiana, this time to coach the Hoosiers. He said he wasn't interested, Tom, but they went with Mike Woodson instead. So Brad Stevens apparently thinks there's some, still some work to be done in, in Boston, or he just didn't want to go to Indiana. I think there definitely is work to be done in Boston, but I commend Indiana. I, I have no dog in the fight here. I don't like them. Don't, don't not like them. Uh, I commend them for trying to, to do everything you can to get the best coach. They're going after everybody. I mean, they went after the, the biggest name out there that they could think of. I love it. I like to see that. Wouldn't you like to see that in UNLV there, Tim? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Like 10 million, 10 million. Here you go, Brad. Come, come 
rescue us, basically, is what they were saying. At least least take the shot, right? Make the phone call. Absolutely. And to speak on that again, Tommy Lloyd, coach at Arizona, he wasn't even in the discussion for UNLV, Tom. Why why would he be? He might be a good coach. (laughs) You're probably right. We'll, We'll see. We'll see how Kevin Kruger does, right? I'm not saying that that's a bad hire. I'm saying, why didn't you go after anyone else? <laughs> You're asking Tom, Tom. the girl out that has the locker next to you instead of, uh, <laughs> yeah, instead of going to different schools and going, yeah, yeah. oh wait, this is this is what this is. Well, it's easy. It's got their locker right next to me. All right. You know, coming from a lifelong fan, I'm I'm not disagreeing. I, pr- I promise you. That. Tom, talk about the website. Got games up for tomorrow, and and of course, a new podcast drops in the morning. Yeah, guys, it's TomBartonSports.com. Absolutely crushing hockey right now. Major League Baseball, hey, I'm right there as well, making money today over this weekend. Went 2-0 on Saturday in Major League Baseball. It's TomBartonSports.com. Go check out the podcast. It's Wagering Week. Dave Parker, yeah, legendary Dave Parker is going to be on the show. We're also going to talk a little Trey Lance with Joe DeLeon. I have Jay Paris talking about Otani. Jam-packed show starts tomorrow morning, but you guys can listen to it on Wagering Week. All right, Tommy. We'll talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, man. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. TomBartonSports.com and podcast Wagering Week, podcast Heatwave Sports. Check us out over there on, on all your podcast forums. A good show, a better one tomorrow night, I think. We're going to do NFL draft prospects, the wide receiver position. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball and more details on the big Heatwave Sports NFL mock draft coming on the 25th. That's one week away from tomorrow. For Devon Cotton, for Tommy B, Tim Unglesby, have a great rest of your Saturday night. Have a great Sunday. We'll be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow night right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good one.